0: I wish we recorded that.
1: Hello, and welcome to Zero Stars a uh, podcast that used to be about video games and is now about Marvel movies. My name is Matt. And my name is Bob. And uh, I think we're going to not talk about video games again. And I talk actually about have, Marvel movies. I have
0: some video game content. You we're, do? You want to talk about video games? We're turning everything upside down, man, because you did the intro, and now I feel as though I like took the wrong first step on the stairs with my off foot and I'm about to fall down them, but other than that... I actually have some video game content. Okay. All right.
1: I'd like you well, now tell me what what video games have you been playing recently? None. I played uh I played a little bit of the Outer Worlds, the new Obsidian game. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh the this by the people who made Fallout Fallout New Vegas and it's clear that they were just trying to make another Fallout New people Vegas. People love Fallout New Vegas. I think that Fallout New Vegas was pretty good for 2010. And how is the Outer Worlds in 2019? It's pretty good for 2010. <laughs> All right. If the, game, the gunplay does not feel good no a lot of the um, decisions feels though if they're not along a moral binary there's not a whole lot of gray in between all of it it is at least the very least not particularly satisfying to me um, and, how much of this game have you played? Uh, about three hours now this, maybe that's not that much but Apparently, it's supposed to be a 20 hour game yeah
0: apparently you can blast through the main story in that game in 15 so yeah. if you're not feeling it that seems pretty bad because that's a fifth of the game.
1: Yeah, no, it's. Um, I really don't think it's very good. Uh, my major issue with it is that the resource management is completely out of whack. You just have way too much of everything. It's I'm just too playing easy. Playing it on the hardest difficulty, and it's it's not even that it's too easy. It's just that like the difficulty isn't derived from the resource management. The difficulty is derived from the fact that like when you aim at someone and shoot, it's still statistical whether or not you hit them. Yeah, I mean There's that's nothing to do with the actual. It's an RPG. Shooting. Yeah. So then, why are we actually shooting things if it's like if my aim has absolutely no bearing on it?
0: That's how like Morrowind was back in the day. Yeah, like that was like the big thing that Skyrim changed.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that's good about
0: Skyrim. Is there like a Vats in this? No, you Vats can slow is a down, system from Fallout Three for people who are interested. Yeah.
1: That's as a system in Fallout 3 where you literally pause time and are able to focus yeah. on individual like body parts in order to take blow people enemy. up. So, but that's that's actually turns it into a turn-based game. This just slows down time for a short period, and during which you can aim at different body parts. And I think you get an automatic hit if you use that. But it's just, it's just like not fun. You don't like it. No, I don't like it. I'm really disappointed. I also don't think that the writing's that good. Yeah, you seem angry about it because well, you feel lied to. I, yeah, I do feel lied to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's silly to feel lied to by a company, but like I feel as though a lot of the coverage... You know what my mistake on this was? I didn't read the Eurogamer review really your gamer is almost always right were they not into it they were like this is fine like if you want more fallout this is more yeah. Fallout. instead i read like the-, the gotaku review which is like this game's politics are amazing and true the politics are amazing it's very anti-capitalist it's very interesting in that regard but like that does not make a game unfortunately <laughs> you can get better articulations of anti-capitalist feeling
0: in other things that are not a subpar video game. Is yeah, that what it's, you're it's saying? Yeah, like,
1: it's like you can read a blog post and get everything you <laughs> that like that this game is trying to express in its fiction. Right. Or you could read some like actual sci-fi fiction that tackles these issues. It's really interesting that you brought up the concept of
0: sci-fi fiction because this week we watched a movie. <laughs> we did. We
1: should probably talk about this movie. Let's do it. What did we right. watch, Matt? We watched uh, 2014's Guardians. Of the Galaxy, directed by James Gunn and written by James Gunn, uh, who adapted a script by another person who, in an interview, he said of her script, there wasn't really anything of her left in that, in, in my final script, but, you know, that's how, like, yeah the Screenwriters Guild works. So, okay. From WGA, you know how they are. Classic, I deal with them all the time.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, this is a very interesting Marvel movie, as we will discuss. It is. And uh, I think it's time to dive into that recap. Yeah, I'm ready. It starts in uh, 1988. Yep, the year after my
1: birth. (laughs) Two years after my birth. Okay, which is how I date all things. So, um, Guardians of the Galaxy begins in 1988. Yes. There's a young boy. Very young boy listening to music.
0: Yeah, he's got a Walkman in It's a tape that says Awesome Mix Volume 1. Uh... We don't know where this came from. I don't know why you made that noise. I'm just, I'm ready for the critique already. Oh, I love this. You know what? If we're starting on this foot, I do not feel like this is going to be very good, but okay. So, anyways, he's listening to this tape. Yeah. And it's got some pretty dope 70s jams very, on it. Very good jams. Yeah. Great pop. Yeah, so and we got like the diegetic thing where he's got the headphones on and it's blasting through the speakers and we're like in his head.
1: Yeah, and then uh, his grandpa comes along and like takes the headphones off and we lose a little bit of the sound, but you can still hear it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so you're like, oh, it's what's yeah. playing on the tape. And his grandpa was like, uh, Peter, your mom's ready to see you. And we're like, Peter Parker? You, all, I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow, it is crazy that they named so many people Peter. <laughs> it was a popular name once upon a time.
0: I guess it is. What's my dad's name? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. This movie is about my dad.
1: (laughs) Um, So it turns out that Peter, this young uh, man named Peter Quill his mom is dying and he's uh, goes to see her in the hospital yeah with his grandfather she's got cancer she's got cancer and she's kind of a little bit out of it and she's talking a little bit about his dad and like how he'll see you know soon he's gonna stay with his grandfather until his dad comes to get him
0: yeah and that his dad will come back there's this yes. idea and
1: you're like well that's definitely not going
0: to happen yeah. because this man has an absentee father and i know how life works <laughs> <laughs> he's never coming back with cigarettes like <laughs> never um and she gives peter a gift yeah which he does not open because he is so emotionally
1: distraught and she asks him like to hold her hand and he doesn't he can't bring himself to cuz again he's so emotionally distraught and then she dies right there
0: yeah and so he does not hold her hand as she dies for obvious reasons this is pretty distressing to peter quill yeah uh his grandfather tells him to wait outside of the room he instead runs outside of the hospital into an open field,
1: collapses on the ground like Willem Dafoe in Platoon. Yeah, so he's crying he like, in this field. Actual,
0: like, yeah. And then, out of the mist, he, like a light shines down on him. We get a wide shot. There's an alien ship above him. He is abducted. And then we get the Marvel title card. Yeah, the like Marvel flipping pages logo. And at this point, I'm like. Oh, yeah, movies are dope. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I feel great right now. Matt is looking at me blankly because he is dead inside, It I was guess. really
1: convenient that his mom died right then. They're telling a story, yeah. Matt. I d- what are you doing, man? Like, I can't believe just, the is cynicism. It, is it being well told is the question. I, I think so. Yeah.
0: I have, you have to do extraordinary things happen all the time. Why not? Like, why not? Why not heighten it all just, to, just a bit? Give me, give me a little bit. Juice it. Yeah. And also, I think that there's a connection between all these things, as we'll get to later, but mm-hmm. I don't think it is happenstance that this occurred on the same time. Mm. But you think that, oh, I think I know what you think. I think I know exactly what the movie definitely heavily implies, but we'll get to it. Mm. Okay. So,
1: okay. Uh, 26 years later. 26 years later. Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, lands on a deserted planet called Morag, and he's, like, dancing around. We get our title cards. Like, he's, like, dancing around. Well, but before he's dancing, like, we How long is this going to (laughs) take?
0: Well, I'm just going to say that you get this situation where we just, like, open up Morag. We don't know who this dude is. Humanoid guy in a helmet who we don't see Mm -hmm. gets out of a ship. We know that, like, it's obviously Peter Quill, but, like... He's flown a ship to a planet. He's walking out in the rain on this alien planet. It looks really good. It looks really tactile. There's nothing around. And you go, oh yeah, the new Star Wars movies suck. Because there is more adventure in this moment of this dude that I've just met walking out onto this planet. More possibility than there is in any of the current Star Wars movies. There's just like this endless moment of just like, I don't know where this dude is going. I don't know what happened in the last 20 years to him. But like... Everything that, about it is genuinely new in a way. I think
1: the key about it is I don't know what's happened in the past twenty years to him. Sure, I think more than like I think that the planet itself is sort of generically boring. But well, but like, you
0: know that he's going on like an Indiana Jonesy kind of quest here. Yeah, and you're like, you know, there's there's something kind of fun about like I don't
1: know anything about this universe. Like that is actually a really like I love sci-fi. Yeah, this does not appeal to me at all. Things about it do. I think the script is great. I think that my issues are largely with, like, fatigue of just, like, it's another sci-fi world. And this has, like, been exacerbated by um, the outer worlds. It is just, like, like, sci-fi fatigue. Do you need to take a break,
0: Matt? You want to wait for a month and then we can talk about it? I just kind of, like,
1: find it sort of boring and bland after a while. Okay. Actually, pretty quickly yeah um, just because there's so much sci-fi content and there are so many sci-fi worlds that like I don't get excited by the idea of a new one especially if it doesn't like I'm much more interested in the interpersonal nuance and so I think that this is again like well I think that there is some good interpersonal nuance oh yeah this, so we can yeah, get to but that we haven't gotten there yet sure but yeah. uh, you know I think it's worth
0: talking about the fact that this is a better realized science fiction world than I expected from it and is genuinely like this is out there man like Yes, This there, is a science are, fiction movie first certain ideas and a Marvel there. movie second. This is just like, here is a new fucking world. I agree with that. Let's go on an adventure. So yeah. Peter Quill, we get our title card. He's listening to his stereo.
1: He's dancing around. Still listening the to the awesome
0: mix. He's still got the Walkman, but yeah. he's
1: in space. It has been for 26 years. That's right. Uh, uh so he's here looking for this orb, which he is able to kind of steal very Indiana Jones style. He's got like little like traps and stuff that he's able to use to to steal the orb without like like pulls it out of like a weird mesh.
0: Yeah, the orb is like floating Sci-fi in, thing. you know, a pillar, and he like sucks it out of the thing, yeah.
1: which is cool because he's got like this weapon that like just is a like, gravity well, and it's nice because it uses that, and then you're like, oh, that's how that thing works, and it'll return. And later, they use it later because this movie's yeah. well written. Yeah, it's well composed in that way. Um, so he gets this thing, and just as he gets it, we realize that he's been tracked the entire way by this group of Kree, and the Kree are uh, a bunch of like warlike space creatures. And these Kree are beholden in particular to someone named Ronan the Accuser. Which is a pretty badass name. Is pretty, apparently an accuser is like a position within the Kree hierarchy. I love that. That's yeah. so
0: awesome. Science fiction is the best. So there are
1: these Kree and um, they're like, we work for Ronan the Accuser and we want that sphere. That yeah, this metal this ball. This metal ball. Um, and... And Star-Lord slash Peter Quill. What do we want to call him? Just well, Quill?
0: Peter Quill introduces himself as, as the Star-Lord yeah, as to Star-Lord.
1: them. Up until this point, we've just known that this is Peter
0: Quill. Yeah. He says, I'm the Star-Lord. Everybody kind of is like, I've never heard of the Star-Lord. And it's clear that he wants he is Han Solo saying everybody knows the Millennium Falcon and nobody knows the Millennium Falcon. It is the exact connection, right? Like, they know that you have seen all those movies. They are making one of those movies. Um, so he is the wannabe space pirate who has no
1: reputation. And and then he seems like he's going to hand over the sphere to them, but then he doesn't, and he like kind of gets away, and they are like, drat, bad luck, and then he's flying away. What we learn at the same time, though, is that Peter Quill had been working for a smuggler named Yandu Yondu Yandu Yondu and Yandu's like group of smugglers all they're all like that Yandu's like the leader of they were the ones who actually abducted quill like 26 years ago and quill's been like raised by them basically and but he's gone rogue and he's gotten the sphere on his own for reasons I don't entirely understand why he went rogue do we know? 'Cause he wants the money. Just because he wants the money. Well, and because so Yandu doesn't feel any allegiance to Yondu. Yeah, because
0: Yondu's entire reason that he should be loyal to Yandu is that Yondu did not allow the crew to
1: eat him as a boy. That seems like a pretty good reason to be loyal to somebody. It's, it's unclear um, like the what his relationship with Yandu is, like whether it is like whether there is any fondness. I think there.
0: it's somewhat fatherly because he yeah. is still
1: alive and he has a ship, but not fatherly in the sense that Yandu is a dick. Yeah. Yandu, played by Michael Rooker, is a relatively entertaining character. Um, So Yondu is like, why'd you run away, Peter? Like, that's supposed to be our shared sphere bounty. And Peter's like, no, I'm going to sell it. Sorry, like, peace out. And Yondu decides that he's going to put a bounty on Peter Quill's head. So as of right now, Ronan the Accuser's Kree folk are after Peter. And Yondu has a bounty on Peter. And Peter is like, I'm going to go sell this crazy sphere that everybody wants. Right,
0: because there's a guy on this planet that the Kree... Like want to just dis- like had a war with but now they are under some kind of truce and the dealer for this sphere lives on that planet so peter is going to this planet with the sphere and nobody knows what that dealer who that dealer is going to sell the sphere to mm-hmm. but that dealer is an intermediary for somebody who wants the sphere so peter is going to him directly
1: okay um meanwhile we actually meet Ronan, the accuser, who is uh played totally unrecognizably like by Lee Pace. He's a big blue dude. He just yeah. In like a... I would never have known that this was Lee Pace. I don't know
0: who Lee Pace is, so I wouldn't okay. have either. But I can tell you that of all the big blue dudes in these films, I think he's my favorite. Really? Yeah. I think he's the coolest looking big blue he dude. Commits hard well, to and this the m- role. The makeup is like better yeah. and less dumb, and he's much less CG. He's definitely very, very little
1: CG. Yeah, he's just a big blue dude. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so we meet Ronan, and Ronin is serving, we learn, Thanos. Like, Ronan is, like, under Thanos. He's working for Thanos, essentially. And Thanos has even, like, given Ronan to aid him uh, two of his adopted daughters. One named Gamora. Who uh, is green. Who is green. And the other named, I'm totally blanking on her name, Nebula.
0: And she is blue. And she is blue. And Ronan's whole thing is that he is a rogue terrorist Kree because the Kree have a truce with these people on this planet where the dealer for the sphere is. And he just wants to destroy that planet. That's all he wants mm-hmm. because they killed his father. he did then, not pick up on any of this. This was all this explicitly
1: really said several times. Yeah, I just was not clearly not into this part of it. It's
0: weird that you didn't like this movie you didn't pay attention to. <laughs> You've just, seen this
1: movie twice. I know it was said ex- explicitly. Yeah, I did not. Realize, I actually did not. I, one of one of the things I have later in here is like I could not remember what Ronan's. Um, oh, okay. What Ronan's like impetus was for wanting to destroy the because it was like Nova. What's the, what's the planet? Is it like Nova Prime or something like no, that? No, I, I forget the name
0: of the planet. But it's
1: where Nova Prime is located. Oh. It's like it's, the seat it's, of government. Yeah, well, it's it's where, the, seat, it's of the government. seat of
0: government for that race. Yes. Which are these humanoids. Yeah. And they're all on this planet that was at war with the Kree. Mm-hmm. The Kree, and then at one point they killed uh, the accuser's father. Okay. So then he is now a rogue element of the Kree. That the Kree is... A lot of daddy issues in this movie. Yeah, maybe. so many. But the Kree is actively just like, well, yeah, he's like your problem though because he's just like a crazy guy. And mm-hmm. so it's like kind of like maybe the Kree don't care that he's out there trying to murder this entire race of people but the entire reason he's working with thanos is because thanos claims to have the ability to destroy a planet so if he has the infinity
1: if he has the infinity stone so he's trying to get the infinity stone for thanos so that thanos can destroy this planet the deal is
0: that thanos will blow up the planet for him exactly cool sounds good all
1: right so uh quill gets down onto this planet that is the capital of the nova empire exactly um and he tries to sell the orb to that one pawn pawn shop dealer. To the
0: guy who is the intermediary. He's the
1: intermediary. But the guy, when he finds out that Ronin is after it, does not want anything to do with it. And basically says, like, our deal is off. Take this orb. Get away from me. Like, Take your know, orb. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. So, Peter goes outside, and he's just kind of, like, got the orb. And we realize that Gamora, the green-skinned uh, adopted daughter of Thanos, played by Zoe Saldana, is, um, like, standing outside. And Peter being Peter, he starts like flirting with her a bit.
0: Because he is kind of a cad. And it's kind of charming in like that caddish way. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot more charming if this movie didn't have huge problems with its female characters, which mm-hmm. we will address later. Yeah.
1: Um. But, anyways, at this point, you're like, they'll probably pull it out. Yeah. Uh, so he and Zoe, Daldon- Zoe Saldana are flirting. Gamora. Gamora. And uh, then she quickly like. I don't remember which karate, kicks, karate him kicks him or something, him or something, and knocks him down, and steals the orb, and she starts running. She Peter starts Quill's, running with the orb. Peter Quill is like kind of into it, jumps up, and gives chase. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, like around the time that this is happening in the exact same space, there is a cybernetically enhanced <laughs> raccoon and a sentient tree that are having a conversation about trying to capture Peter Quill because they have seen Yondu's uh, bounty. App. Right. So these are two bounty hunters again a cybernetically enhanced (laughs) raccoon and a sentient tree my two favorite characters in the movie oh they're fantastic i love animals and i love plants (laughs) yeah man it's terrific
0: yeah uh so the this is rocket raccoon (laughs) and groot rocket raccoon man yeah. well yeah, and they at one point they say like it's a raccoon calls himself rocket <laughs> and i love that it's like his self-assumed name is rocket well also because he's an alien creature he doesn't know what a raccoon is yes oh yeah. it's just so good um So, okay, they want to get Peter Quill, so now it becomes a
1: three-man dance with four people because of Groot. (laughs) And this is all happening, like, in bright daylight in the middle of this, like, downtown shopping area in, like, this Nova Prime capital. And so
0: there's this fight happening where Groot and Rocket are trying to get uh, Peter, Gamora is trying to get the ball, and Peter is trying to escape with the ball, and... Long story short, it's a it's a pretty well done action sequence oh, with yeah. like lots of slapstick, and we learn that like Groot is a big tree man. He seems kind of slow, but when he gets
1: hit, his body can like regenerate itself because he's a tree. Yeah, um, he also can only say, "I am Groot." But you can say it in various inflections. And
0: there's a Han Solo Chewbacca thing where
1: Rocket can understand him. Yes, there's more context that each inflection has (laughs) infinite nuance (laughs) that only Rocket can interpret. Right,
0: which is, of course,
1: excellent. Yeah. Uh, So at this point, they both just get Everyone is captured, captured by the police who intervene, and they're like, "You can't do this in the middle of downtown. <laughs> like, you are people putting people's lives at risk." Yeah. So they are all captured by the police, and um, Ch- John C. Riley is the chief of police. He's the Commissioner Gordon of yes, this world. Yes, he is. Um, and if he's the Commissioner Gordon, then like the I don't know what the the corollary would be, but the um the president of Nova is Prime, Glenn is close. close, yeah, playing more or less Glenn Close. She is just Glenn. Close. It is, I don't think that they ever give her a name. I think that it is literally supposed to be Glenn Close. Yeah, she just runs this weird alien human planet. Yeah, in this alternative universe. <laughs> sure. Where she was also maybe abducted as a child. And instead of becoming an Oscar-winning actress, became the president, the, the, the president of Prime. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. So um, they kind of do this like little run through where you, we are actually introduced to each of the characters and we get kind of their backstory as John C. Riley and the others are like uh, taking the mug shots and right. like reviewing them. So we learn about who rocket is and how he's a cybernetically enhanced <laughs> rac- raccoon. We learn about like uh, Groot who's like this alien species of like sentient trees. We learn about Gamora who is the do- adopted daughter of Thanos who was adopted after Thanos like wiped out her home world. Um, and we learn about Peter Quill, who is now, the, you know, has been this notorious kind of, um, is, is he a treasure hunter or a bounty hunter himself? He's just like a treasure hunter, bounty treasure hunter. hunter. He's yeah. part of, like, because
0: Yondu's whole thing Yondu's is, group, yeah, Yondu just is this criminal guy. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, okay, they're all going to prison. Yes. They all get in the prison together. Yes. What's the prison called? Like, the Kiln? I think it is called the Kiln. Yeah, it's like a floating space it's pretty prison. pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I love a floating space prison. Um... And they get in there, they confiscate their stuff, most importantly taking Peter's Walkman, which has
1: the mix in it. And this is when we see Peter's sort of like, Uh, quote unquote, charming cad behavior sort of like cut a little bit. By some serious, like he does not like the fact that they have taken yep his Walkman, it and clearly upsets him.
0: Earlier in the movie, I should say, when we first were on his ship, we saw that he had never opened the package his mom gave him when she was dying. So okay. that's still yeah, just that in, a in a milk drawer. crate yeah. on his spaceship, uh, because he clearly can't bring himself to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, they're all in jail. Peter wants to get out of jail, but also really wants to get his Walkman. Rocket Raccoon says, "I've gotten out of jail many times." They walk in. This is a bad prison. This makes Oz look like a playground. Yeah. Like these people are bad and many of them are aliens. Uh, they
1: really don't like Gamora. Well, yeah, because they know Because Gamora works for Ronin and is the stepdaughter or is the adopted daughter of Thanos. Be funny if Thanos was his her stepdad. <laughs> but is the adopted daughter of Thanos. Like she's associated with bad people who, and they have and like killed. who have killed lots of people. So yes. like these criminals, many of whom have lost their families to uh to Thanos or Ronin. So they are not happy with Gamora. and a lot of them are threatening Gamora. One in particular uh is a bigger, badder dude than most in there, and that is like this purple tattooed. Are they tattoos or are they scars? I can't tell, uh, like tattoo scars, yeah, they're like his skin, yeah, <laughs> uh, his name is Drax, yeah, and so we see him in the background.
0: But when they walk into the prison, the first thing that happens is that Rocket and Groot assault the biggest dude in the prison who is not Drax, no, that's true. Uh, and like really injure him and just say that. Peter is with them, he's their bounty, and if anybody touches him, they'll do this to them. Yeah. So, clearly, Rocket and Groot used to being in prison, and it doesn't matter that Rocket is a tiny little raccoon man. No. And uh, they want to protect their bounty, exactly. which is Peter.
1: Um, no one really seems to care about Gamora, except Peter, who interrupts as a bunch of like inmates are about to try and uh, kill Gamora, including Drax. They're like holding her while Drax is yes. going to kill her. Yes, because Drax,
0: his family was, was killed, killed by, by the accuser. Yeah
1: um peter intercedes uh on behalf of Gamora and basically says to drax like hey um maybe we should you know Ronan's probably going to come for her if you keep her alive then Ronan has an impetus to come here and you can draw Ronan to you and then you can get your revenge on Ronan rather than just like killing her now um i believe that Gamora is also at this point insisting that like she never intended to bring the sphere back to yeah she to, she said that she essentially was double crossing um, Ronan, and that she was always intending to bring the sphere to someone else. Right. Who we shortly learn was is a man called the Collector, who had met in a post credit sequence in a previous film, who
0: had acquired earlier two of
1: the other Infinity two Stones. Two of the other Infinity Stones. Well, but we don't know anything about the Infinity Stones yet. Regarding no, they the sphere. They, te- they tell us. I think. Do we know that the Infinity Stone is in the sphere?
0: Uh, well, I'm just saying that we know that he has two Infinity now Stones. Now you all know that the infinity know, the Infinity Stone is, stone is in, in the, the sphere. sphere. <laughs> if there's a new one, it's a purple one. Yes. Um, so, at this point... Drax is now on the side of Quill and the others. Yeah, everyone's
1: um, and everyone's kind of like adopted Gamora to their side too. And they, but they're like, we can escape together.
0: Right. So Rocket is formulating a plan that will involve them getting a bunch of mechanical things. And in this moment, we are learning that Rocket is very good with mechanical things. Uh, and he says, "We all just need to get into this guard tower." And I need you to get me, like, this battery pack, this thing from the wall. And this one guy's robotic leg, this other prisoner has a robotic leg. And he's like, you need to get me that, Peter. And while he's having this conversation, uh, he's like, the thing is, we're only going to have a few minutes to do it. So we got to coordinate. Before
1: we pull the battery off, the <laughs> like, the watchtower wall, we, like, that's our go. So we have to get everything before that. And, the mean, yeah, and then you see Groot. In the background <laughs> of the shot, Groot is just ripping the thing out of the wall. It is a great little bit of incredible like comedy, comic really. writing, staging. Very good. It is an upset of like what we saw in Thor: The Dark World, where there's like the the Ocean's Eleven plan layout thing. Yep. It's an upset of that because instead of like seeing the plan going perfectly as they describe what they're going to do, we instead watch the plan go awry as they plan it. Yes, out. and it's Which it's is so really concise
0: writing. and so smart. Yeah. and then this leads to an and enormous firefight with yeah. Groot and Rocket, like riding like. On each other and on these like robot gun platforms and there are explosions everywhere. And then we smash cut to Peter in a cell with the guy with the robot leg. And there's just this beat of silence. And then the guy with the leg goes, you want my leg? And it's just as it is so calm. It is such a good comic. And then he smashes
1: back to the violence in the other room. (laughs) This is, I would say, maybe your favorite movie in or favorite moment in the entire Marvel Universe. I think that this entire sequence,
0: like, this entire escape sequence is just, like, exactly what I want from a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it is character building for Rocket. It is character building for everybody else. Like, Rocket and Groot, you're just like, I know exactly who these people are from the way that they act in this situation. Mm -hmm. Um you know, you meet Drax for real in this situation because Drax is along for the ride with them. Um, they all get into this uh, guard tower, and then Rocket like hacks everything, hot wires it, and we learn that in the midst of this Drax does not understand metaphor or irony and takes everything literally which is obviously a huge font of comedy mm-hmm. um
1: it is very good at mixing action and comedy it is it's better so good there's a lot of movies that think that they're action comedies this movie is actually an action oh comedy. totally
0: and the action in the sequence is so nice and clean and smart mm-hmm. um but yeah, so it's like character building for everybody because they're under pressure and they're all doing things, right? Like everybody is doing something, and they're doing something teaches me something about them because they approach it. Except for Gamora, even except for Gamora, <laughs> which we'll
1: talk about, and even Peter, who is literally just leaning against a wall trying to convince a guy <laughs> right. to give him his leg, like well, <laughs> there, yeah, it is, it is to a purpose, is it to an end?
0: Well, and what you realize from it is that. Peter asked the guy, like, and there's something so characterful about just, like, walking up to a dude and being like, I need your leg. Like, that builds so much. He so, like, doesn't this is... try and forcibly take it. In right.
1: Fact, it is it is the, the antithesis of the violence that is going on outside where things are being just, like, forcefully taken over. Right. Peter is just, like... asked the dude, ask for, the his, dude like, for his, like... His and
0: life, we later yeah. learned paid him 30,000 <laughs> units, which I think that the bounty on Peter was, like, 40,000. It's, like... An incredible amount of money to give this man for this leg. So he's clearly also a terrible negotiator. Like, everything about it just, like, builds who these people are. Yeah. And then Rocket turns off the gravity on the, pl- on the whole space station, except for in the little pod they're in, so then the pod floats out. They ride it through a big door. Peter realizes he needs his Walkman. Peter runs back in. There's some action, blah, 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 blah. Peter yeah. gets his Walkman. They make it back to the ship. They fly into space. Mm-hmm.
1: Pretty cool. It's pretty good. Um, meanwhile, Ronan <laughs> and Nebula, who... Again, There's a is, lot of plot. Is, he, all of these movies. Well, I mean, one, This one's more complicated because we have to introduce characters. We're meeting so many we're people. We're meeting so many people. You're meeting essentially the entire Avengers plus several people. Yes. Including a female character who's really one-dimensional. It's a, well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Eventually, we are going to talk about it. The single female character in the group. Oh, Which is dude. just like... I... uh Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I dude, I know. Um I'm so there. meanwhile, Ronan and Nebula, who again was Thanos' other adopted daughter other than Gamora, are uh, meeting with Thanos himself, a little uh, Josh Brolin cameo here. Yes. Uh and and Thanos is basically like, um I need you to get the stone for me. And I will destroy Ronan the planet like, for you if you get yeah, me and the Ronan stone. Is like, I'm gonna get you the stone, bro. And like the two of them are just back and forth saying the same thing. Ronan kills Thanos' like second in command yeah. with, with his hammer. He like turns the guy's head around. Yeah, because we. really uh, Ronan's got this hammer that can shoot energy, which is like, why do you
0: even need it to be a hammer? It could just be a cool stick, but okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he murders a dude with it, and you're like, I guess he's a very powerful man, second only to Thanos. But Thanos
1: <laughs> isn't, like, shook by this.
0: No, he does not care, because
1: yeah. he can destroy planets. Yeah, so um, that's really...
0: He is reason. literally scene, a death star but a dude. This
1: the scene is really just there to be like, hey, this is actually more thanos. You've only seen him briefly in the shadows and yes. now here he is for real. Yeah. And that's a, a, a for it is a the one scene in the movie that is not about the movie.
0: Yes, and it is the only thing that actually like counts to the a- overall universe. Mm-hmm. Um and it's fine. I, it's yeah.
1: like it's not it's not offensively long,
0: so it's fine. No, you blast through it. Yeah. Uh, so okay, at this point, our intrepid heroes are going to see the collector. Yeah,
1: and the collector lives in uh, nowhere, which is basically, as I described it in my notes, Deadwood, but inside the uh, like severed head of a of an old god. Yes, this is one of my talk about like sci fi. This is the kind of sci fi that I like, and I think that you like it too. Yes, yeah, awesome. Where it is like the idea that someone has built a settlement, like a Wild West settlement inside the the head of a dead god that's just floating through space. And it looks and incredible. They are, and they are mining the interior of the god's head yes. for like resources. It is just like very clever, very weird. Well and that's what and I mean. Like I think that this movie is
0: full of that kind of stuff where it's like all of the aliens just look like different colored humans, which is kind of dumb. Yeah, but then it's a Star Trek. Yeah. But then they like bail out of that into stuff that is genuinely crazy it's and hard to cool think of other, stuff other
1: than this this is the one thing like this this entire section in nowhere is the most there's a
0: talking raccoon who talks like he's from
1: like jersey or something in this movie dude. oh yeah that's true i like like, like- <laughs> Groot and rocket i like a lot but they are also as you said like they are kind of just like a han solo chewbacca sure sure dynamic. but like that dude's a raccoon. Actually, this movie kind of has two Han Solos. Yes, it does. It's kind of which split is actually split, it's split. It's no longer Han Solo. It's Han Double in this sense. Well, and but, I
0: think this is actually kind of a problem that the new Star Wars movies also have, hmm. which is like somehow everybody was like Han Solo is the coolest character in Star Wars. Everybody should just be Han Solo. Finn's kind of a Han Solo, but slightly more bumbling. Yeah, the other dude with the.
1: BB-8, he's yeah. kind of a Han Solo, po but Decameron. like slightly more together. Everybody just turns into Han Solo. He's yeah, like a slick Han Solo. Then you're yep. bumbling Han Solo. Yeah, and even Rey like has her own like adventuring. So yeah, I guess it is. You just you just split all Han roads Solo. lead to Solo. You take Han Solo's psyche and you break it down into its various component parts, and you give a little bit to everybody. A man
0: whose name literally means
1: to go alone suddenly has eighteen characters that are him. <laughs>
0: Okay, it's as though nobody understood any part of what made Star Wars good, except Sounds that this like movie it. I think understands a lot of it.
1: This movie gets some of it. That's why we have a cantina scene. <laughs> we literally do, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's instead of like the the chess, we have like uh, it's it looks like a cockfighting match between like these creatures that we've seen before, these like little reptilian creatures that eat each other. Yeah, so they go to the collector's place and but like that's connected to the, a bar. Yeah, they can't see the collector quite yet, so they like put in their name and they're waiting to get to see him. And while they wait. Uh, Drax and Rocket get drunk and like place bets on right. what is essentially a cockfighting match,
0: and then at a certain point, this devolves into a fight between Drax yes. and Rocket because Rocket is very upset that everybody is
1: a dick to him because he's a raccoon. I find this a little moving. It's honestly. super affecting. <laughs> yes, it's credit to Bradley Cooper for Dude. The for this role. It seems calls, like a throwaway role.
0: Yes, and everybody calls him a, like a little rodent and stuff yeah. and he's really hurt by it cuz
1: he's a brilliant <laughs> raccoon creature. But like like I yeah, you, he's like it's, it's very it could be. It's like partially played for laughs, but it's
0: also like very it's, earnest. I, I don't think it's played for laughs. I think it's very earnest, and it's like probably the best character moment in the whole movie. I would agree. And they give it to the raccoon. Gamora still in the movie. Me- meanwhile, still well, nearby. While this
1: is happening, Peter and Gamora have a moment in which um, Peter kind of Gamora is like looking out at like space, sure. And Peter approaches, and she asks, like, "Hey, why did you go back for like this weird tape thing?" She actually, like, touches it on his belt, which is, like, a very intimate moment. And it's, like, it's one of those things where you're, like, is Gamora up to something? Like, she tr- is she trying to actively seduce him? Which is then something that it seems like they entirely drop. If she is, then, like, whatever, for whatever reason that they're trying to set up, like, like does she have, like, other plans? It seems as they they drop that. She is just entirely. there, and, like, they kind of have a romantic moment, and you're just, like... But like, he like is Gamora headphones. a character? Like, what is this man? Yeah, he he has like he's like the Natalie Portman to her Zach Braff, and he like puts the headphones on her. And I'm shocked that they don't do it. Like, this song will change your life. Oh no, I mean, either. yeah, I think it's good. But like, yeah, it's it's fine. What's what song? I can't remember what song. it I is. I don't know. It's a it's a good 70s. Every, pop all song. the music is good because yeah. it's all off that tape, and that's all good 70s. There's a lot music. of Motown. It's like. great, man. Um, but anyway, they have that moment, but then they're interrupted before they can like start making out. Uh, By this fight. Or before Gamora can start developing as a character, (laughs) they are interrupted by this fight between Rocket and Drax. Uh, And shortly after that, um, the collectors, like, people come down, and they're like, the collector is ready to see you now. Right, so then that kind of breaks the thing up. So it breaks the thing up. Everybody goes up except for Drax, I believe, stays down at the bar. Drax leaves to go because he's like
0: whatever i hate everybody i will go fight the accuser myself yes
1: and he goes and like i don't remember how he does he like places a collect call to somebody yeah. and he's like i'm looking for ronan the accuser we have the sphere and we're like at nowhere like inside the old you know turn left at, like, <laughs> yeah the eye socket, the <laughs> eye socket. and so <laughs> drax is out there we
0: are aware he's doing this but like that's not explicit right now mm-hmm. They give the Infinity Stone to Benicio del Toro. They give
1: the sphere to Benicio del Toro, who who looks like he has a cockatoo on his head. Yes, it is amazing design, like yes. character design. He's great, He's incredible, um, um, cr- incredible. Like simple face paint. They do face paint really well in this. Yes, movie. they do. Like Ronan looks sick. Where you're not sure. We're we're like you you know that it is face paint as opposed to like alien. Yep, whatever. It's like textured. It's like textured, and it's clear that like this is just how people apply makeup. Yep. Like this is it's very it's it's like culture building in an interesting way it is um so benicio del toro uh takes the the sphere and reveals that there's an infinity stone inside of it uh meanwhile we also get to see like his collection of various things yep uh and he has like uh like the space dog yeah he has
0: like the first dog in space yeah. and he has like and she's still alive yeah she's still like okay. he has like all of these things that are like both from our world and other worlds that have just ended up in space any curiosity he has literally collected he says that he wants to get Groot's body when he dies <laughs> he's willing to pay him up front <laughs> yeah. yeah um like he wants everything weird from around the galaxy and he explains to us that the infinity stones basically are ultra powerful nobody can like harness that power unless they're very powerful and aren't
1: they from like the beginnings of the universe yes when like the various galaxies were formed there's they like stone for each galaxy concentrated
0: forms of like the collapsed versions of the original galaxies or something and so he kind of lays out this idea that there are these infinity stones they're super powerful and when they're all combined together you basically have infinite power mm-hmm. um and we go that seems like the start of an entire series of movies <laughs> Which we will talk about. That will culminate five years from now. Exactly. So he kind of lays out the actual plot of these films. Meanwhile, he has this like slave woman.
1: Is she a slave? I was trying to remember if she was.
0: I, I don't know. There's like a weird thing where he's like imprisoned her former. His former slave woman, now he's a new slave woman, and you're like,
1: why does he just got to be addicted to these people? Yeah, they spend several minutes on this, and it's unclear yeah. like, what exactly it, they're established. Just to at. make him bad, I
0: guess. Yeah. But then they kind of play him for laughs, so it's sort of a weird thing where it's like, he's just awful to these women, but or I he's guess a he's a, a goofy, goofball slave owner. The fifth element. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So anyways, she's staring at the Infinity Stone, and she seems to be like overcome
1: with desire for it yeah and she grabs it it's a very one ring sort of thing
0: yep uh she is Gollum. she wants it uh and it like erupts into purple flame consumes her body and blows up the entire building
1: yeah um everybody gets away but just barely yeah including including like of the dog you do see a shot of the dog running out the dog made it which is actually was Something I was very curious whether they were going to do. Oh, because they, they, yeah. they show you the dog, they have to do it. Yeah, they have to do it. Um, so that was bad. Meanwhile, uh, Quill quickly wraps up the Infinity Stone again. And he's like, I guess we're not going to give it to the Collector. And like runs off with Gamora and uh, Groot and Rocket. So while that was happening... Um, Drax had
0: called Ronan. So Ronan shows up outside of the collector's spot yeah. and Drax is like I will duel you man to man which is a terrible idea Ronan like wipes his ass with Drax It is grimy dude mm-hmm. it is not good for Drax Drax is basically dead um meanwhile
1: uh Quill and uh Gamora and, and Rocket. Rocket all get into these like individual like mining pod mining ships pods, and they're like just trying to escape Ronan's goons this um, is a all, horrendously shot sequence. It's it's very difficult to tell what's going on, which like kind of makes me just want to skip to the end of it. Well, yeah, uh-huh. we can. I mean, But
0: it's just like this flight it's, it's, combat it's, yeah, thing. It does that not is, look good. It is awful. It is impossible it's, to follow.
1: It's almost like everything is too in focus, and there's yes. so much detail in the background That's exactly that you right. can't actually tell what's going on. Like, there's just
0: no separation. It's not shot particularly cleanly. It's very unclear. What happens, though, is that they go out into space.
1: Gamora goes too far... Um, and Nebula, again, the other uh, adopted daughter of Thanos, like, catches up and basically just blows up Gamora's ship, launching Gamora into space. So she is just, like, in space.
0: But they're, like, not in real space. They're in, like, some sort of ether that will kill you after a certain amount of time because plot. Uh, and so... They can't breathe there. They'll die after, like, two minutes, but they can be out in it for some amount yeah, of time. and it, like, freezes
1: you. It's very cold. Yeah. yeah,
0: so Quill decides that the best way to solve this problem, everybody's like, we need to leave her, says Rocket, and they're trying to fly away. Mm-hmm. Quill's like, no, and he gets out of his craft, calls Yondu, sets a beacon where he is. He's like, come get me, bro. And then and he then... goes to her and uses his helmet so she can breathe. Yeah. And the banks on the fact that,
1: and correctly so, that Yondu will come and arrest him. So Yondu come and like pulls them in with his, with his tractor beam. They survive, but uh, but barely. So on Yondu's ship, Yondu basically is like going to kill Quill. He's like, you know, I raised you from a pup, and like didn't let my men eat you or whatever. And Quill is able to talk him out of the murder by saying that like they no longer have the stone. Also, Nebula took the uh, took the sphere. Yes, when she when she shot Gamora's ship up. So Nebula has the sphere, which means that Ronan has the sphere. Um, and Quill's like, first of all, we got to get rid of the sphere. We need, to, we need to get the sphere back because we can't let Ronan get the sphere. Um, we can't let two, Thanos get the sphere. Or Thanos. I don't think they even know about Thanos. Oh, maybe they do. I think that There's, they Gamora might. Gamora knows about Because Thanos, they explained yeah. it, I think. So, but he's like, but he says to, to, to Yondu, like, I will give you the sphere when we get it back. Mm-hmm. You can have it if you let me live. And we will like work together to together to get it back. And Yandu seems like kind of unclear whether Yandu is like psychotic or an okay guy. Little Agrees. little column
0: A, little column B. He's yep. got a robot arrow that he shoots people with. He's kind of nutty, which is very clearly something that they want to be very cool, and which is not cool at all. <laughs> it is so so dumb. It uh, has no rules involved. I mean, it. it has it does have rules, but like. It just seems like it should be useful in a lot of situations in which he doesn't use yes. it.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's what I mean. There seem to be rules governing it that just don't make sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Yondu's like, "All right, that sounds good. Everyone's getting along." Meanwhile, down in nowhere, uh, Drax, Rocket, and Groot are like, "We have to go save save Peter and Gamora." Yeah. So they go up and they're like, "We're gonna blow up your ship, Yondu, bounty hunter." And then Peter's like, "No, guys, it's cool. Actually, I worked everything out." Uh, they're like, all right, so the team is all aboard. So. Yeah, and Rocket has built a very, very powerful gun. Yes, Rocket has built a very, very powerful gun that could take down a ship like this. Exactly. So they have this new powerful gun, so now they have to come up with a plan. So we get a planning session. Meanwhile, Ronan is talking to Thanos and basically is like, fuck you, Thanos. I have the stone now. Puts it in his Warhammer and is like, I'm going rogue. Yeah. I can destroy—I don't need you, your help to destroy this planet— I'll destroy this planet myself. Exactly. And then, like, hangs up on Thanos, (laughs) which you do not do. No, you don't do that. Never do that. I don't do that to Josh Brolin, let alone (laughs) Thanos. Uh, And he, like, turns to Nebula, who got him the stone. He's like, you're Thanos' adopted daughter. Will you fight with me? And she's (laughs) like, look what Thanos did to me. And we're like, he turned you blue? Uh, She's She's like a robot. robot? Yeah, she's a robot. And we've seen her, like,
0: working on herself previously. Uh, (laughs) Do we
1: know that Thanos, I guess Thanos did that to her then. So he's not a
0: good dad. Thanos is a bad dad. Bad dad. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that when you kill somebody's so entire family and become their adopted father, you are a bad dad. So
1: many dad issues in this. <laughs> That's all that these movies Both are like. Son, son, father, dad oh, issues. Yeah. Daughter, father, dad issues. Yep. All dads are bad. Uh, all all dads in the Marvel movies are bad dads. Yeah, the Mad Titan, bad dad. Um. So Nebula's like, I will fight with you, Ronan, and like we'll eventually kill Thanos when we're done destroying this planet. So um. Peter and Co. are coming up with a plan. They realize that Ronan's ship, which is called the Dark Aster, isn't Aster cool. like a flower? No, it's a, I think it's a stone, isn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't it was something like that. Probably it's one of those things. Yeah. Probably. Um the the ship is heading towards like the Nova Home Capital, um where they have like the Galactic Empire led by Glenn Close, the place where we were earlier, where Peter was trying to sell the stone. So that's where that's where Ronan wants to wants to like go and destroy the planet um and so peter and and company are like oh, how are we going to stop him? we need to stop him from getting down to yep. the surface of the planet so they come up with a plan they get new suits matching suits they like walk down a hallway in slow yeah, motion they do that's fun yeah yeah, actually I like that.
0: <laughs> I think they play some seventies music during it. Yeah, it's pretty it's, good. It's like
1: it's like it's the right stuff, but it doesn't it probably doesn't even realize that it's referencing the right oh, stuff. Oh, I think at this every point. every reference in this is completely intentional. I think that they are referencing Armageddon, which is referencing the right stuff. But like I don't know. At this point, that scene has been done so many times yeah. that I think it is like lost the original. I mean, for all I know, the right stuff could be referencing something else. Sure, probably. Point. Yeah. But um, you get we get we get that scene that has to happen at some point that we know is going to happen yeah, at some point our, our boys are the real heroes in, now in, yeah, yeah in slow motion they haven't been called the, galaxy, the guardians of the galaxy yet but we know it's coming you know that they are the guardians of the galaxy so um the dark aster <laughs> is descending towards <laughs> the the nova capital um the Nova squadrons like deploy, create
0: like, some weird space, space net.
1: net. That's that's strange. And meanwhile, meanwhile, Quill like Rocket shoots um a hole in the the side of the Dark Aster so that Quill and uh, Drax and Gamora can get aboard. So they managed to get aboard on the Dark Aster, so they're gonna be like, We're gonna go find Ronin, we're gonna take him down. Yeah, fight Ronin. They fight a bunch of dudes, Drax is like crushing people, Quill is like shooting people. It's interesting that Quill is not always super competent and he doesn't seem to know how to use his rocket boots sometimes.
0: This the biggest problem with this movie, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that Quill is both too competent. They play him both ways. They play yes. him as ultra competent and they play him as kind of bumbling. Yeah. And they just need to commit to bumbling. And yeah. the movie is a billion times better. But that's, I agree. that's a more conversation more, more, for later. Less,
1: less Han Solo, more Andy Dwyer. He needs to be Andy Dwyer. Yeah. The problem is that he's Han Solo. Yeah. It's he an, can still be Buff, I think. But like Sure. Yeah, he needs to be like He just needs to be Andy, Andy Dwyer. Dwyer. For those who don't realize this, we didn't reference this yet, but Chris Pratt plays Peter that's Quill. Right. <laughs> Andy Dwyer is Chris Pratt's character on Parks and Recreation. Yes. And he is Bumbling and charming and totally delightful. Andy Dwyer is much more lovable, and it's easier to forget that the actor playing him isn't a homophobe, or is a homophobe when you're watching Andy Dwyer. There's something slightly unlikable about Peter Quill's cockiness because it is a little bit earned. You almost—that's it. It I needs to be totally to be unearned. Yes. Yes. He needs Whereas, to think he's better than he is. Yes, I agree. Um, and that's a that's a that's a tricky thing to write. I will admit to write someone who is likable for their unearned cockiness is a difficult thing to write i would say i think but
0: in some ways that's kind of what han solo is but <laughs> yeah
1: that's probably true um um but in any case okay so they're just fighting everybody's fighting everybody's everybody was fighting. Everybody, fighting. fighting everybody is kung fu fighting yeah um uh gamora and nebula are fighting in fact and, and like nebula's body can get all disjointed because she's yeah. a robot lady and blah blah blah, blah 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 blah. but but gamora ends up like throwing her off the side of the ship and then uh nebula's like hanging on by like one robot hand, and Gamora's like, I'll save you, and reaches out, Nebula's like, nah, and like, let's go. But she doesn't drop to her death. She lands on a spaceship, like, punches like yeah, the, she does. the window in, like, throws the dude out, and then hijacks a spaceship that probably can't go to space anymore because the window is broken. Uh, I don't know. But then, like, She's a robot
0: away. lady, though. So
1: Nebula lives to, to be in another movie.
0: To robot another day. To robot another day. The net, like, they, on the ship, Shoot at Ronan.
1: So, so they've got the um the Nova Squadron has like this net that they've made. To so contain that the, the Dark Aster, yeah, so cannot drop into so the planet. Can't drop onto the planet. So Ronan takes his hammer and just like basically points it at the center of this net, and one ship blows up, and then it turns into this like domino chain of like the entire Nova Squadron is destroyed thousands of people die oh definitely everyone is dead yes. L- the- lots of people die. tons of people die in the end of this movie yes yeah um all these people die everyone's like very upset plus this means that the dark aster can land um but at that moment uh our friends drax gamora and peter all like make it into like the chamber where ronin is hanging out and peter has rockets like super big gun yep that we find out just shoots a very large bullet. Yeah, well, of course it would. <laughs> it's weird to think like you always think in, in like sci-fi that's going to be like a laser or a plasma or something is <laughs> no. literally just a big bullet. They up. show it moving in slow <laughs> yeah, motion. You get to watch it go. <laughs> it is, yeah, uh it is like the size of a coke can. Yeah, totally thick. <laughs> um and it hits uh it hits Ronan and Ronan explodes and there's a big explosion. Yeah, and then the smoke clears
0: didn't do the job guys. No, that dude's got an infinity stone. Yeah. Um and then at
1: this point Rocket crashes a ship into the bridge. He crashes specifically Peter's ship into the bridge, which is actually important for yes. something later on. He crashes Peter's ship into the bridge and at, and that kind of like throws the dark aster because that's the bridge is also where those like weird VR men are controlling the ship. Which is another
0: very inventive thing for so this movie. Another very inventive thing. Yeah. Yeah, that their ship is like driven by these crazy giants that have spheres
1: of plasma above their but heads. they're just like rotating with their oh, hands. Oh, it's as so cool! Playing a Google Earth game. Yeah, it's so awesome, man. Um, so those guys get wrecked, and the ship is now crashing down. Everyone's inside. Rocket and Groot get out of like Peter's ship. Um, and Groot creates like this sphere, sphere of tree of around tree and, everyone, and leaves and like moss and everything, <laughs> and like protects everyone. And Rocket's like, "No, Groot, you'll die if you do this." And Groot says. I am Groot, and we all kind of are sad because we feel we feel we feel things. Yeah, because Vin Diesel is actually weirdly good, very affecting,
0: saying three words. Yeah, Um,
1: is that where he says we are Groot? He might. That might be 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 where he says we we are are Groot. Groot." (laughs) Um, And the the ship crashes into like the center of uh, this highly populous town. No, they they say that they have evacuated. Yeah, they've evacuated the city. Okay, we know what that means, right? government evacuation uh-huh <laughs> so everybody like gets up and our heroes you know rocket is obviously very distraught he's picking up sticks from yeah, groot. they all survive somehow because of groot yeah because of groot um and meanwhile peter's ship which also crashed like its tape deck is playing and yes. it's playing uh that song ooh child yeah so you get your diegetic music yes and it's and it's just like kind of playing in the background as everyone's picking themselves up and they're like oh we survived somehow um, hopefully, Ronan just died in that crash. Well, there is actually this is a really good shot where somehow, like,
0: out of focus in the background, you see Ronan coming up. And it's one of those shots where I was I like, I think you see the glow of the. There's of something the like in where it felt very real. Like, it felt like actual lens work in a way that a lot of these movies kind of don't because yeah, of so much computer stuff. Yeah, where I was like, I think they actually shot that dude being out of focus with yeah. heat in front of him. Like, I don't know if they actually did. Maybe it's a computer, but it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a good shot where you're
1: like, oh, that dude's still alive. Um, so he comes back into the game, and he wants to kill people, and uh, he's about to destroy the entire planet, even though he's standing on it uh, no, with I th- his hand. Yeah, I mean, but he can do whatever. Yeah, who knows? He's about to destroy everything when Peter <laughs> distracts him by dancing to... Ooh, child. Which is another one of the moments in this movie where I was like,
0: I kind of wish they just cast Jack Black.
1: (laughs) Do you think it would have been more charming with Jack Black?
0: I think that Jack Black, because he's not ripped, has to go full Dwyer. (laughs) That's true.
1: That's a good point. Also, can you imagine Jack Black ripped? (laughs) What a weird world. It's impossible to imagine something (laughs) so attractive. (laughs) What a strange world. Um, so, so, uh, would-be Andy Dwyer distracts Ronan. There's, like, this back and forth where it, like, really is trying to cut the drama by, like, Ronan just being, like, what are you doing? Yes. And like, he's just, like, because dancing. Because, like, like Drax and everybody else, he, all these aliens, he doesn't understand comedy. And, like, and, yeah, we get it. I, I find that this, like, very pandering and kind of irritating. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, a very obvious attempt to undercut. Unlike the, you need my leg. Yes. It is just, like, it feels it feels very written. It's very
0: written but at the same time we have established that all of these people just like don't understand humans. Yes, they and don't so, understand humor in general. Right. Well, and they don't understand like people. Yeah. And I think that there there that you have to at some point lean back on the idea that Peter Quill is a human. Yes. And that's like the only thing that can get you out of being in this alien situation is the one thing that makes him different than everybody else we've met in the movie.
1: So, so callback, Footloose, and... Yes, and there is also a reference to Footloose previously. Earlier on, so this is a callback to Footloose and the fact that, like, everyone is confused by dancing because they have never seen dancing yes. before because Ronan the Accuser and the Cree presumably do not have dance. Which
0: makes sense. Yeah. And I, I do, I appreciate, like... That all of Peter Quill's references are frozen in time and make no sense to anyone around him. Like, mm-hmm. that's actually always funny to me, too. Weirdly,
1: probably don't make sense to a lot of the kids watching this movie. They're just like, oh, yeah, that Miles Teller film.
0: I like the idea of Peter Quill being basically a 13-year-old from the 80s who mm-hmm. never grew up. Yeah. And I just wish they leaned harder on it. Like, that he just never learned... Anything else yeah. is kind of more fun than what like the comic is. But That, be, man that is. makes
1: it tricky because then you can't have Gamora fall in love with him. I know because then she's I know. falling in love with thirteen year old. It's boy. almost as though there are a lot of issues with the Gamora character. Yeah. Okay, um, so anyway, so Peter <laughs> distracts Ronan. Well, uh, Rocket has like cobbled together a new gun that he interacts fire not at Ronan but at his Warhammer, which contains the stone. Slow motion. Uh, Ronan and Peter both go for the stone at the same time. Peter grabs the stone. Oh, okay, yeah, Peter
0: grabs the stone. And, like, we've previously established that, like, no one person could hold the stone, and it's kind of, like, ripping his body apart, but then, uh, is it first Gamora? Gamora first, like, takes his hand. And then Drax. And then Rocket. And then Rocket, and they all join hands, and together they, like, can handle the power of the stones. And they, like, vaporize Ronan. Yeah, and then they, like, somehow control the power of the stone, return the stone to the... Sphere. sphere, yeah, and at this point, Quill goes, All right, Yandu, I'm gonna give you the sphere, and he hands him the sphere. Yandu, of course, and then everybody says, Don't open it though, because you can't look at an infinity stone, yeah, because it will destroy
1: everything if you do. We all saw what just happened, <laughs> yeah, was that was pretty good. messed up. Do you have five great friends that are gonna hold your hand? No, while you, open you don't, sp- because you're a Yondu weird doesn't. warlord, man, <laughs> yeah. like we all know that he doesn't.
0: So, anyways, he flies away with it, and of course, Peter Quill gave him a fake sphere
1: and has the real infinity stone uh which they give to glenn close who puts it in her jewelry box um and i think that that's like basically it for the infinity stone like nova prime just has it now because that's like the safest place for it
0: yeah they return it and then at that point we, we learn from Glenn Close that when they were scanning Peter's, Quill,
1: Peter's body during when he was a, when he was initially arrested,
0: he's yeah. half alien.
1: But they don't know what race. It's yeah. some ancient, ancient alien race. That, that they can't skull identify. floating in space is his dad, <laughs> possibly. Um, so, so Peter uh, finds that out. They also expunge all of their their criminal records. Yes. So they're all like free to go and travel the galaxy as they want.
0: And we learn that Yondu's original contract, Yandu hated Quill's father. Yes.
1: And his original contract, though, somehow. So we learn, so this is, Quill doesn't hear this. No, Yondu no, no. This, this, is like this. Separate. this is like separate. This is like separate Yondu on his ship. Talking yes. about how, like, he had a contract to bring Quill to his father. That was the original thing that he was supposed to do when he abducted Quill, and he chose not to. Right. And that's why it's that night. Yes. Yeah, Because why abducted that that's night.
0: That's why his father wanted him that night, because his mother died. Yeah.
1: And so, so the Guardians fly off to new adventures.
0: And on the way, Peter finally opens the package from his mom, and it's a new mix, volume two. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. And Matt rolls his eyes, and I love it. The
1: music's great. I Matt just hate hates it's fun. Called, I hate that it's called Awesome Mix. Why? Because that's so dumb. She made it for a 12-year-old. So How like, smart do you think you were as a twelve-year-old? I was pretty smart as a twelve-year-old. I was smart enough to know that, like, you can write a mix. It's like this is a mix for Matt Rickert. God, you're the most My boring could person in that. the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, refi- or if I, just like, I am not. I I can't or even. Or something. Or just like the something idea that like,
0: this is your problem is completely insane to me. I
1: just it's just like I think it's tacky and just sort of like silly. And I love it. Yeah, I don't think, but it's not like earnestly silly. It What's just, not earnest about it? I don't know, something calling something like awesome mix. It's like. It seems Ugh. like something a mom would do for their kid. Does not seem like something a mom would do. It seems like a, something that like an eight year old would do for another eight year old. Not like something a mom would do for their kid. It seems mom like would something... like like a mix for my pumpkin. Like not for I a twelve year old. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that wouldn't write awesome mix. I
0: think a mom would write awesome mix. I the idea that this is your issue is completely baffling to me.
1: I take issue with small things like this all the time. This is the smallest and worst take. <laughs> I mean, I have lots of small <laughs> takes on this movie. I've been sort of, like, scattering uh, scattering them around as we've been watching. Uh, anyway, have we just jumped into our critique at this point? Yeah, we
0: can critique. I like this movie a lot. I think this is a really good movie. I don't know what else I would want from a movie. Like, I had a ton of fun. Uh, what I would want is Gamora to be a character. Gamora is not a character. Why they can't just give Drax's lines to Gamora and make Gamora weird like that is mm. totally beyond me. Because, because then she
1: wouldn't be attractive. I think she'd be super attractive. She can be weird. Like, I guess that that's the thing. Like... She has to have a sense of humor. She's the most... She's very human compared... She gets... She understands humor. She learns about dance as she goes along. Yeah. Like, it's hard to maintain that sort of Drax personality if you also have to evolve the character. See, I but
0: I think that, like, if she could be Drax and, like, learn to dance, that's actually, like, a ton of fun, right?
1: Yeah, no, I think... I agree that I think that you're right. That would be, like, much more interesting to at least see them try. But, uh, but yeah, I'm not surprised that they didn't do it. I think that this is... Well... I mean, it's, it's, it's a perennial problem that that the single female character in these superhero narratives is always the most underwritten. Yeah, I mean I think that that's that's probably the biggest crime against this movie. I mean honestly I just it, this movie is just like not my kind of movie. I think the yeah. script is really good. I think there are really good parts of it. The aesthetic is just the opposite of my aesthetic. So here I actually don't like the aesthetic.
0: Like this is not the sort of I, science I, fiction I, say, I like. When I
1: say like aesthetic, I also kind of mean like beyond just the visuals. I mean like the entire like conceit of like treasure hunters and Mm. and like um like smugglers and like the kind of star wars conceit rogues it's never really been like interesting to me like my favorite thing about the star wars movies was always like the jedi knights and the sort of like that was more interesting to me than kind of like the rogue Hunters and stuff. Hmm. So, like, I mean, I've been, you know, kind of pissing on this movie the entire time that we're watching yeah. it. And that's because, like, things about the tone and things about the aesthetic just bug me. I also think that as funny as and good as the script is, sometimes it is a little bit too... The architecture of the jokes shows a little bit too much or the architecture of the charm. It is trying very hard to be charming, and, in like, 80% of the time it is. Hmm. But I think that, like, this is my issue with, like, the awesome mix is that that feels like a very blatant attempt to be charming and I don't find it charming because I find that it's trying so desperately. And it's like it it's not that it's like trying earnestly, it is trying like in a corporate sort of like Disney Marvel way to be charming. And that's what that's just this is my take. That turns me off. And so like 80% of the time I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this script is very good, despite the aesthetic, I'm having a good time. And then 20% of the time, I'm like, oh, God, I hate it when they fucking do this. See, I, I don't have any of that.
0: I, yeah. I, I, and it could just be that I'm the, the soft, slow, naive one, but I enjoy all of it. Like, I, I think it is charming.
1: I mean, I think that and, uh, it's, more, it's also more your, your kind of thing. I think that these sort of, I think, that, like, you also are just much more charmed by, like, the, the Han Solo character. Um, I guess. I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you like Han Solo as a character. Oh, I think Han Solo is a great character. Yeah, I respect Han Solo as a character. I don't actually like find him that interesting or engaging. Oh man, he's trying. I think that the only good, uh, like my only favorite, the one like excellent Han Solo part, uh, and all of them, like in my opinion, is the the I know, like the I love you, I know. You don't like it when he shoots Greedo. No. Come I mean, that's on, all right. I, mean, I he think, I and think he flips change to the dude. No, oh, it's the great. Best, the best part of the Greedo thing is the fact that George Lucas tried to go back and change it. But that George Lucas doesn't that's, understand that it's I character love. building? Yeah, no, he doesn't. And I think I love that much more than, like, I think the moment itself is fine. Oh, I think it's a great moment. But I,
0: yeah, I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think this movie is charming. I think it's mm-hmm. a ton of fun. I think it is, I think I feel the architecture of something like, uh, Iron Man 3 far more Mm -hmm. like I feel like that to me feels like super pandering and super weird and like it doesn't have any sort of tonal angle other than like sometimes I want to make you laugh sometimes I want to be fucking gritty Mm -hmm. uh this to me is like at least of a piece like it's dumb as hell but it's like going so hard in the paint and it's just it's so un the idea that like there's something really exciting about an alien abduction right and what's crazy about this movie... <laughs> I mean, hey, yo, no, am I wrong? of the people who
1: have been abducted.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty <laughs> thrilling for a moment. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, it seems like around the time in 1988, we abducted the idea of making cool movies about alien abductions. Yeah, and that was a high watermark
1: for... For
0: yeah. aliens and teenagers and interacting amblin, with aliens. Movies, and you know yeah. what? It's been a long time since I got
1: my alien fix, and this one does it real good. Okay, I mean, I feel like I got my alien fix, like, the day before <laughs> so i mean again part of the issue with this is like the outer wilds being something World. engaged. That's outer, a different outer video worlds game. yeah you're right that's another one about planet hopping and <laughs> aliens um i mean maybe it's because you've stopped playing video games there are a lot of aliens and video games and a lot of attempts to create like other worlds and video games and, outer worlds matt um and outer and other worlds i i mean i do feel as though like I feel as though I could go 40 years without watching another Star Wars movie and I would get plenty of Star Wars content by virtue of how much Star Wars has influenced other things. You get what I mean? Like to the point that like- I I can see that
0: take, but I I just think that this is- what I realized watching this movie is that what I go to Star Wars for is not actually the Star Wars of it, Mm -hmm. which is what they think I go to it for now. Yeah. But what I actually go to it for is the feeling I had when I was a little kid- and I first watched Star Wars and I was like, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen because they can do literally anything and it's consistent enough that like it feels real. Yeah. And this movie is that this movie has just enough of like, I have no idea what's going to happen, but they're willing to restrain themselves just enough that I can believe it all might like that. What happens is legitimate. Yeah. Um, and that's actually why I like Star Wars and like I've talked before about how I think that the new Star Wars movies make the world smaller and they don't bring me new things and they don't like they, they seem very keen on just revisiting what i've seen before and it's like man that couldn't miss the point of Star Wars more mm. like the idea like i just think about like how this movie's like the idea that you have a character that only one other character can understand right and like this movie does it which is totally ripping off Star Wars. But even New Star Wars doesn't get that right. In the New Star Wars, everybody can like talk to the droids and stuff. Like everyone just understands everything. And it totally takes the fun out of it. Cause then it's just like, well, then just make us speak English. I don't care if he talks like a dog man. If you can just understand him, if one person can understand him, it's like a fun imbalance for other characters, right? Like it builds a space. Yeah. But if everybody understands it, it just so misguided and this movie i feel like gets that kind of stuff where it's like stuff can be different and weird and you don't understand everything and the characters don't understand everything and peter Mm -hmm. quill should just be a human that's the other problem with this movie is peter quill should just be a human
1: peter quill being special really hurts this movie for me yeah, I'm curious to know what they do with that, but um, I agree. I think that like what it comes down to is like a lot of this just like isn't my thing, and this is probably encapsulated by the fact that I think the new Star Wars movies are just about as good as the old ones. And yeah, that's not are, true. None of them are as good as the prequels.
0: I mean, like they're better in some ways.
1: Uh, like certainly in like diversity of cast and the fact that like there are women just, in them. I just like I don't like I don't have much of an issue with with either the Force Awakens or uh, what was it? Re- Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the uh, Jedi, Revenge of the Sith? No, no, the most recent, the most recent one, the Ryan Johnson. Yeah, why, I, right. I don't remember what that one's called, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. It, like I think that they're they're fine. Like they're perfectly competent. Like none of it just none of it really I I don't blows I'm not away. I don't think that they're bad. Um that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, you just I, think that they make the world
0: smaller. I just don't think that they are I don't think they tap into like what makes Star Wars exciting. Mm. They just make Star Wars movies, tm i mean i don't know they do have luke like milking that creature luke milks a creature and they go to a planet that is apparently las vegas and you realize that the aliens there wear tuxedos
1: (laughs) yeah i thought that was all right
0: that is so dumb dude why would they wear tuxedos they're aliens why not they probably watch james bond movies just like the rest of us see this is it it kills me uh all (laughs) right uh so do we want to rank this movie I think this is going to be tough. Uh, so, here's the current rank. Yeah, give us the current rank. Here's the current
1: power rankings. At number 1, we have Iron Man, the first Iron Man. At it's number good movie. 2, we have the Avengers. At number 3, we have Iron Man 3. At number 4, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. At number 5, we have Thor, the Dark World. At number 6, we have Captain America, the First Avenger. At number 7, we have Iron Man 2. At number 8, we have Thor and all the way at number 23, we have the Incredible Hulk. So, you think this deserves number two? It's better than The Avengers? Oh, I agree it's better than Iron Man 3. Like, I don't like it more, but I think it's better than Iron Man 3. I think that this
0: movie is number two. You
1: think it's number two? Straight up.
0: Like, I also have kind of, in the past couple weeks, uh, you know, we talk about, like, parts of a movie sticking with us, Mm -hmm. and the parts of the movie that have stuck with me for Winter Soldier, I feel like Winter Soldier's better than Iron Man 3, but I don't think I'm going to win that fight against you. (laughs) So, rather than making that argument right now, I want Guardians of the Galaxy at two. So, I'll just push for
1: that. I'm just not gonna fight it.
0: I know you're not. Yeah, I don't think you've ever been less invested than in this one. I um, I feel like this has just shaken your interest in the entire
1: project. You know what the funny thing about this is? If I it, what I think this is, and I this is a very weird thing for me to admit, it's because none of the characters are in it. And it's a brand new story and it takes place in outer space and I'm not particularly into like sci-fi outer space things and it has none of the returning characters. So it is like unrelated to our TV series. It is. But it and also so kicks it is, off, like, the actual narrative of the Infinity stuff. Which is what I'm not interested in, though. I'm interested in, like, the characters of the Avengers. Like, I'm interested, really, I'm interested in, like, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. Yeah. So I want to be, <laughs> be as close to Bruce Banner and Tony Stark as possible. And this takes us the furthest from them that yeah, we have they're not in that space skull. And so... And so, at the very least, when we're watching Captain America, we have, like, incredible action scenes that very, feel very grounded, right? So, that's my favorite kind of action scene, too. Yes. Not, like, shooty-shooty space stuff. Sure. Um, I want, like, grounded, like, so that has that going for it. So, this just, like, this movie just, like, is as charming and, 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 like, as funny as the script is, and I value that, certainly. That's why I'm not going to fight number two, by sure. any means. I think that, like, I think that... So much of this movie is like just doesn't have going for it what I like, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's not, it's like the opposite of my aesthetic. So, and uh. because it also takes me away from the TV show, I would never choose to watch this movie on my own. Oh, that's so interesting because I definitely like I kind of want to see it again. So, um, you can do that anytime, really? Yeah, oh, that's, that's so awesome. Thank you for permission. <laughs> um, I was, no, I was just saying, like, it's actually possible, <laughs> they will let you watch it more than once. I'll head over to my Hollywood video. <laughs> Purchase a used copy on VHS. (laughs) Uh, It feels like this movie should be on VHS. VHS, But like, it
0: honestly, even just like watching it, it just feels like the sort of movie that they don't make anymore. Do we think
1: that Guardians of the Galaxy Two has like some sort of retro eighties ish like intro vibe, like where they have like tracking, like they insert tracking on it to make it look like it's a VHS? Given that I know nothing about it. I don't know, but maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. If they have like the Mar- Marvel logo and they have like some tracking at the top and sure. bottom, that would actually be kind of cool. I would love it. Like and um, I will
0: say like they just don't make movies like this anymore, I feel like. Like it's a big budget movie and it's kind of dumb and it's a comedy and it is it's just so broad. And I just don't feel like movies like that get made anymore. I mean, they
1: make Star Wars movies all the time.
0: But, like, that's what right. Those are Star Wars movies. This is a bunch of people I don't know about, and one of them is a
1: talking raccoon. Like, this isn't... Yeah. If I
0: pitched this movie to you, you would be like, that's not going to get made. If the Guardians
1: of the Galaxy But it's not exist. like the characters are significantly more interesting than the ones in Star Wars. No. No, they're not. But th- I'm saying that they're new and they're weird. So, I agree. But, like, the novelty of newness is not, like gonna s- sell it from? actually i don't know i shouldn't say that Maybe it kind of
0: does like and i think that the interesting thing about this movie having never seen it before i know mm-hmm. that you have seen it before but i had never seen it this movie actually was the realization of bob gets to see the marvel movies not having heard anything about marvel movies because yeah. i really knew nothing about this movie and god it's awesome man <laughs> it's crazy it's so cool everything's nuts in here there's a tree guy.
1: I like the tree and the ca- the raccoon. I mean, it's just so fun. I like the tree and the raccoon. I just think that, and I like Drax. I just think that Peter oh, Quill so is kind of like Peter Quill is unmate. too boring. He's too boring, and Gamora is not a character. And yes. guess what? They're the main characters. Sure, like, there's just it's it's sort of like Star Wars in that the the ancillary characters are the best characters, definitely. But like, that's not. What I go to a movie to see. You know, I don't go to see like interesting ancillary character, boring main characters. Well, and or they're just kind of like Mary Sue's or whatever.
0: I think that the real problem too is like there's really not character growth for Quill. Like he opens the package at the end, which implies some character growth. Yeah. But it's not clear like what that growth is. Actually, not, was I guess
1: because he found friends, he's now able to like deal with his mother's death. Yeah, Maybe it's, but, it's, but it's it's not, not, it's not, quite, it's not quite the there. clean
0: hero's journey that it needs yeah. to be, and that's what it's missing from. It, like, also, a Star it Wars. also just
1: doesn't have the nuance that it would need if it's not sticking to the hero's journey of like the messiness of these emotions. Sure. So yeah, it doesn't quite pull it off either way. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's I it's a well-made movie that's it's very funny, and if I don't think about it too much, I think it's good. You want my leg?
0: Like, it's so good,
1: man. All right, here's the new rankings. At number one, we have Iron Man, the first Iron Man. At number two, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. At number three, we have Avengers. At number four, we have Iron Man 3. At number five, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. At number six, we have Thor, the Dark World. At number seven, we have Captain America, the first Avenger. At number eight, we have Iron Man 2. At number nine, we have Thor. At number 23, we have the Incredible Hulk. Will anything unseat it? <laughs> oh, we had to talk about the, <laughs> the the worst post-credit. These sequels. post-credit sequences
0: are terrible. They're going downhill. Oh real fast. well, it's well. It, actually, this is the strange thing is like the Incredible Hulk had nothing to do with the other Marvel movies, and then in the post-credit sequence, it was like, "Don't worry, Tony is here." Yeah. and I was really expecting something like that, mm-hmm. where like. I don't know, Bruce Banner's it, ties a it back. computer yeah. screen and he goes, I see an anomaly in space or something,
1: <laughs> right? Like, And everybody's like, what? Quippy, quip, quip. Yeah, yeah like, sure. Like, give me some funny lines like said by people I know. Right. Yeah.
0: Instead, we get this sort of charming thing where... Baby Groot is dancing in a pot. Oh, that was fantastic! Which That's a great is moment. super good, yeah. but isn't really a post-credit Dranc- sequence. Dancing so with much Jackson Five, yeah. It's so clearly something that should have just run under the credits because, yeah. like, it's just Drax cleaning a knife while Baby Groot dances, and
1: it's funny because of the amount of time that Drax is cleaning this knife. It's a good. It's a. It's good. It's char- It's full of character. Yeah, and charming. It is charming. It is the best kind of charming. Yes. It does not feel. Nothing is forced about forced. it. Forced. Yeah.
0: Now. Then there are credits, and then we get an actual post credit sequence and
1: this is number twenty three in post credit sequence land yeah, I'd agree Would
0: you like to describe it to us? Uh,
1: Benicio del Toro' is sitting in his blown apart collection, and uh like the dog like the dog comes over and licks his face and then like cut to a different view, and there is an anthropomorphic duck smoking a cigar, wearing a hat sitting like. In this like busted out case, and I don't even remember what he says. I don't remember what he says, but it's, it's just Howard like, the Duck. Howard the Duck was
0: collected by the collector. Yeah. This movie, and, and that was the moment. I think the way that you feel about Awesome Mix is how is I feel how, about. Oh, this. I agree. Because one
1: hundred percent is James Gunn being like winking at you as loudly as he can that he knows the Marvel universe, and he's like, "We're gonna put Howard the Duck in here because that's fucking hilarious."
0: Well, and like there it's is like, sort of a meta joke in like. The Marvel Universe will consume everything, and eventually they will fi- reboot Howard the
1: Duck. Right? Like, th- there's like a joke in there, but God, I hated well, the this. The way I think that you pointed out after we watched it, that it would have been funny if, like, after which it says the Guardians of the Galaxy will return.
0: Yeah, like, like if it was Howard the Duck will return, like that would be kind of funny. I mean, just,
1: or just like yeah, just it, I don't know. It's just it doesn't work for me. It just I, I agree hated that, it. Like it is it is too trying, way too hard on the nose. Like it's bad. Yeah.
0: Nobody likes Howard the Duck. I thought we proved that before. For some reason, we've gone back to the
1: well. Anyways. What a risky move. Also, he was voiced by Seth Green. Are you joking? Nope. I think they put that together, that entire uh, animation of Howard the Duck in a day. I read that somewhere. It looks like it. It yep. looks bad. It's kind of like off in the distance, not it's too It's not close. even clear what you're looking no. at. Yeah, it's really weird. It's just ugly. Um, poor Benicio Del Toro.
0: Poor Benicio Del Toro.